some broadcasts together uh, this winter, possibly. We got a really uh, busy winter coming up, and I have got to discipline myself to work on some things here coming up. And But I, I'm still... Um, Still uh, organizing, uh, winterizing my property here. Finishing up with that, which we'll do in the next two days. Hunting, which we'll do. I got to go hunting on Saturday. Um, And also, uh, my wife just had a baby five weeks ago. So we're still uh, five weeks today. Uh, and we're still uh, getting our house uh, up and moving uh, in the right direction with her back on her feet and all that kind of stuff. So lots of busy things and, and a church to pastor and all that fun stuff. So uh, and all kinds of things coming down the pipe. I've got a lot, of, lot to do, a lot, lot of good stuff. We'll be devoting a lot of time when I'm stuck in the frozen. I'll be inside in my office, plugging away, reading away, studying away. Working away, right? And then don't forget, in May, uh, I want to go to Canada. Lord willing, I want to take a vacation with my family for like maybe 10 of those days. I don't know how that's going to go yet. But the rest of the days, I'll be doing some ministry work at a church there. And there'll be other ministry along the way, Baptist history, things like that. But a lot of that work will be done, four or five days will be done over there at a church. Uh, and I'll be preaching at that church, Pastor Jeffrey's church. Hey, you pray for Pastor Jeffrey. He got arrested last night. He was preaching the gospel in the open air and to the sods over there and the sodomite Halloween parade or Halloween activity over there. And Pastor Jeffrey and uh, one of his men, Luke, only Luke was with him. I told him he could say that now, like I said, when only Luke was with me. Uh, but a man named Luke was with him. Okay. And uh, they were arrested. They were they were detained in the vehicle, and but they were let go. Uh, and the cops said, "Look, if you come back here, we're going to arrest you again, and we're going to hold you at the police station until the event's over." So they know they can't charge him. They're just being bullies, like we experienced with the the the, the bullies we had last week, which again I. I got to get to that this week, too. I got to get all my stuff rounded up to get over to that. Uh, man, I've been busy. It just Sometimes I think I don't do anything. I'm like, come on. Why can't I get some things done? And it's, it's not because I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm not sitting around doing nothing. It sure seems like it. But I, you think about it. Like, six to six and a half, seven hours of broadcasting a week. Three sermons a week. I guess that's a lot. And then the time that it takes to prepare for those things and to study and to read and to do all those things. So, and we just had the most busiest six months of street preaching, right? So I, and then having a baby. So yeah, I guess there's a lot going on. I just, sometimes I think, man, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have this done already? And I do have a lot to do. So I guess sometimes I think, come on, I don't. If I start believing all my critics, it's like, well, you don't do nothing. <laughs> they say. I've had people say that. You don't. You pass, you're a pastor. You don't do nothing. 
Why don't you go get a job? Pastor Jeffrey's church is in Canada. And that's where I'm going. I'm a, Lord willing, I'm going to take my family. We're going to go visit in May. Okay? So I'll let you know how you could be a part of all that. All right? Definitely will. But yeah, crazy times. Um, but, so, oh, by the way, and here's another thing, and I'm not complaining. I'll just tell you. Uh, I'll just tell you the interesting thing. If a situation comes up in a church that has to be dealt with, like something out of the ordinary comes up in a church that has to be dealt with, guarantee you I'm on the phone for 30 hours or dealing with something for like 30 hours. That week, just for that. It it sounds funny. You're probably going to be like, nah, that's not true. Stop it. No, I'm dead serious. Like, if one incident comes up in a church, it's a bad thing. Not like normal stuff that we all go through. But if one incident comes up that's like a bad thing, right? Literally 30 hours of my life is taken up to, to deal with it. <laughs> it's not a joke either. Dead serious. That's stuff that behind the scenes that people think, oh, you just preach. That's all you do, right? <laughs> Sometimes that's the easiest part. Sometimes. But anyway, again, I'm not complaining. So just reality, just like stating this is like the, the challenges, right? Of of ministry, which is which is hey, I thank God for it. I love this church. I love the work I do. I love being on here with you. I I love it. I'm thankful for it. So you know, I I uh I am. I'm I'm grateful for what the Lord allows me to do. And I still get excited about it. So it isn't an old hat to me. I still get excited. Right? It's like it's like when I look at my wife, I still get excited. She's it's like I was nineteen. It's like she's nineteen years old. <laughs> I still I, I still feel the same way. Probably more. Probably more. I definitely love her more than I did the day I married her. I can guarantee you that. Right? Guarantee you, I love her more than the day I met her. I married her. Absolutely. That's why when people say stupid things, I'm, I, I laugh and she laughs. She already knows I'm gaga over her. That, that's already done. That's already, that's like, she doesn't, she doesn't worry about that. She already knows that. She already knows she has my heart in my ear. Absolutely. 21 years and it's only gotten stronger.
Ask Carl. He saw me in Europe when I was away from my wife. I didn't. I wasn't doing so well. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I I just laugh when people make stupid accusations, say dumb things. <laughs> Ah, but anyway. So, before I get started with this broadcast, I've got to show you this clip. Now, you all know that I am a Baptist, and you were talking about... Uh, you, were, you were talking about watching my Reformation. Uh, my Reformation, uh, my bat. Baptists are not reformers, right? And Reformation Day, the scariest day ever. I got to show you this video. It's so funny. Now, I, you know, it's just, it's hilarious. Like, I, obviously, I'll, I'll correct what's wrong in it, but it's funny. So. Hello, Luz. It is October 31st. And I have got some things to say. And there we go. Yeah, okay. Now for my morning schnitzel. Hello, Lucia. What are you doing? Oh, hey, Twingly. I'm just starting that thing where I try to reform the Catholic Church since it has turned away from numerous biblical teachings. Oh, so like you're starting the Reformation? Yeah, a Reformation, exactly. Cool. Can I join? Do you reject the works righteousness of the Pope and confess the chief doctrine of the Christian faith? That man is justified by grace alone through faith? Alone? Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. I also reject that the Lord Shopper is actually the body and the blood of Jesus because the papists believe that. Okay, Zwingli. But the Bible very clearly teaches that Christ is physically present in the sacrament. Okay, stop. No, it doesn't. It does not teach consubstantiation. That's a Lutheran heresy. And uh, Luther carried it over from the Roman Catholic Church. But this is, let me back it up so I don't ruin it. But this is absolutely hilarious, man. Okay, cool. I also reject that the Lord Shopper is actually the body and the blood of Jesus because the papists believe that. Okay, Zwingli. But the Bible very clearly teaches that Christ is physically present in the sacrament. And the point of a reformation is to be faithful to God's word. Not to just be as un-Catholic as possible. But that's the point of my reformation. <laughs> Your reformation? Bonjour, mes amis. What is, uh, how you say? Up. Oh, hello, John Calvin. Lucy here wants to join my reformation, but he still wants to be a little halfway papist sissy baby. Nine. This is not true. <laughs> he said, he said Luther wants to be a little half papist sissy baby. Oh, hello, John Calvin. Lucy here wants to join my reformation, but he still wants to be a little halfway papist sissy baby. Nine, this is not true. I just don't want to abandon the sacraments because of your scripture 
twisting Pope rage. Ah, ben, dans the sacre man, sacre blue, who would do such a thing? Twingly, he says that this is my party means this represents my party. Oh, Zwingli, what a fool you are. So you agree with me that the bread and wine are the body and blood of Christ? Of course not. The finite is not capable of the infinite. So you agree with Zwingli, then? No, no, no. He says that ease does not mean ease. What Luna see? I say that ease means ease as long as the definition of ease is not ease. Is a completely different position. You're going to need to understand these distinctions, Lucer, my friend, if you want to be a part of my reformation. This is my reformation. Reformation, you say? I'd love to get on board. You would? Even after you've called me a heretic for posting my thesis here? Has your allegiance to the Pope changed because you've seen the heirs of his theology? Not really. It's mostly changed because he won't annul my marriage to that half-barren, pig-faced Spanish bride of mine. That's not a... <laughs> There's, like, a lot of truth in this satire, by the way. I'll back it up a little bit. <laughs> Heretic for posting my thesis here? Has your allegiance to the Pope changed because you've seen the heirs of his theology? Not really. It's mostly changed because he won't annul my marriage to that half-barren, pig-faced Spanish bride of mine. That's not a good reason for leaving the Church of Rome. Now, Dr. Luther, your short-sighted attitude is precisely the reason why the Church of England has chosen Mr. Calvin here to be the chief theological advisor for our ecclesiastical Brexit. God is sovereign indeed. Soon all the world will confess that Jesus did not die for all the world. Well, no... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, come on, man. You gotta laugh. This is hilarious. <laughs> Precisely the reason why the Church of England has chosen Mr. Calvin here to be the chief theological advisor for our ecclesiastical Brexit. God is sovereign indeed. Soon all the world will confess that Jesus did not die for all the world. Well, not all of us are going to believe that particular doctrine, Mr. Calvin. Shut up, you filthy renegade. No, you shut up. This is my reformation now. Stop trying to steal my reformation. Now, don't get upset, Dr. Luther. I think I speak for all of us when I say that we're all deeply in your debt. After all, today is the day when you set us free from the shackles of Rome so we could follow your example. By quitting our church bodies and starting a new one the second we don't like the cut of someone's theological jib. That's not what I did. I got the kicked out. Uh, I got the kicked out. <laughs> That's not what I did. I got the kicked out. <laughs> one the second we don't like the cut of someone's theological jib. That's not what I did. I got the kicked out. Ah, uh, same difference. What do you say, gents? Shall we honor Dr. Luther with a rousing rendition of the Protestant song? Oui. Absolutely. They have a half naked Jesus in here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over. Like I don't know why they show that one, but this one, I I. But I'm gonna switch over so you don't see it. There we go. We are the Protestants. We're on the same team as Luther. No, you're not. We are the Protestants. All our traditions are equally valid. This is not true. Cares what we teach about the sacraments or about the atonement. Cares about the things. most important thing is the common song we sing. We all hate the Pope. Oh, we are the Protestants. If you believe in the real presence, we'll call. 
call you cannibals, but then get mad when you won't commune us. Thank you for singing that song, Mr. Schlusser. I sing nothing. <laughs> I sing nothing. Saluta. He making me so mad. Dude, Leo the Tenth. I know, right? I mean, it's like, who does he think he is to change the church's doctrine? Oh, good. So you future pope, so you're not changing my teachings. Oh, I think you'd be pretty impressed with us, Mio Fratello. After all, what would you say to a pope who, just like you, hates on the Latin mass and who's on his way to giving communion to divorced Catholics and who's embraced the 160 million Catholic charismatics you probably would have called Montanist heretics and who also agrees with you that we totally shouldn't execute heretics anymore because we all started believing in religious freedom in the 1960s, which was also when we decided that people who don't believe in Jesus at all can totally go to heaven. And remember how you wanted to start a crusade against the invading Muslims? Well, guess what? Just like you, this Pope also believes that Muslims totally worship the same God as us and that theirs is a religion of peace. So what would you say to that Pope? I say I'm gonna cut off of his head. Why you ask? Oh. Uh, no reason. <laughs> you gotta admit, that is funny, right? That is funny. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. And you all remember, uh, of course, that uh, I have told you many times over that I am not a reformer. I am not a Protestant. Yeah, I, I'm very clear. I've been very clear about that, right? Down through. Hey, some guy did a video about me. He's got 2,500 or 25,000 views. Wow. It's called Evangelicals Don't Understand Orthodoxy. Oh, man. I just found that. That's funny. Whoa, that's an old school one right there. Why Baptists are not Protestants and why it matters. That's totally old. Anyway, okay. Well, that's not what this broadcast is about, but I must tell you, I did have a lot of fun. And I do, saved. Have, whoops, and I, actually I do have a lot of fun with... Um, Baptist history and telling the truth. Baptist. Oh, here it is. I this will this will remind you. This will remind you. Now there's an entire video, and I'll get that. And I say also to thee, thou thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's the promise of the Lord to his church. Now, if there's a promise there, if there was a promise given that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church, then there must need to have been a church all through time 
there never could have been a time since Christ died and rose again from the dead that there was not a church. Long before your Protestants were known of, those horrible Anabaptists, as they were unjustly called, were protesting for the one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. What is it, I ask you? What is the one Lord, one faith, one baptism? You think about it. What is it? It's not infant baptism. Bam! <laughs> I love it. It's great, isn't it? Whoops. Anyway, that's funny, isn't it? I like it anyway. You know, we... They hey, hey, quiet. All right, let's see here. And if you want to watch the entire video, it's right there. Chapter 16, verse... Revelation... Uh, or, I mean, sorry, Reformation Day, you know, scare, uh, scarier than Halloween for Baptists. Okay, right there. Anyway, all right, so that, who is that young preacher? That's a man oh, that went through a, a lot of trials. That's who that is. Man that went through a lot of trials. Yep. Hey. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 started here. Proverbs. Okay, sure. Ross Duncan is somewhere around here. He's liking stuff. I know Ross Duncan somewhere around. He's liking stuff. That's right, Brother Fabian. I know. No. For the Fabio. <laughs> yep, you're coming through, Andrea. She said, hi, hi, all. She probably wondered if she came through because last time it knocked her off. She couldn't get on over here. Couldn't get over to comment. So, yep, your comments are coming through there. Betty's on here. I don't know where she's been. Betty 66. Right, Ross should be here. Where are you, Ross, Duncan? Okay, anyway. Um, and then Cindy even snuck on. She's over there. She's probably... Um, Cindy right about now is canning cactus juice. That's what she's doing. She's over at, over there, and she's, she's, she's taking... Cactuses and she's canning cactus cactus juice. Okay, that's what Cindy's doing right now. So you wonder, like Cindy's like, Oh, I have work to do. What are you doing, Cindy? 
I'm dehydrating cactus and then uh, yak guts, and I'm mixing it together, and I'm making stuff out of it. That's what I'm doing. Can and cactus guts. That's Is there a website on Baptist history? Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Okay. And Jessica's making apple peel syrup. Whatever that is. The world is apple peel syrup. I don't, Michelle, I don't know what Michelle's doing. She's over there canning something from her backyard, probably right about now. Okay. Carly Yates, what, what? Where'd she come from? Even Carly showed up today. I'm roasting chicken bones in my 18-quart roaster for bone broth. <laughs> I'm taking the bones of chicken and I'm boiling them down to nothing. <laughs> Apple-flavored syrup for your pancakes. What's the matter with you? What was I thinking? I don't know. I'm harvesting the orange peels to make make something. I don't know. Oh, good. I bet it's really good. Look, gentle giant 33. That's because you're used to all that processed garbage. She's probably making it good so it's real. All right, Brandon? So it's not like that stinking, ugly Burger King, nasty, creepy burger you, you ate on your... Your video or whatever that thing was. That orangutan burger you ate. All right. I'm going to test out this orangutan burger today. Here's Brandon on his video. This thing is delicious. It comes from real orangutans. It is monkey burger. It is a monkey. Brandon eating monkey burgers. Knock it off, Brandon. Like, I found this monkey burger. You throw a piece of cheese on it, put a couple Krispy Kreme donuts in the middle of it, you're all good. On the outside of it, you're all good. I believe you, Brent. I believe you. And the original J-Mac is over there in Ireland. Like, what are you people talking about? Okay, Proverbs 31. I knew I'd get your attention, Cindy, if I said you were canon cactus juice. I was waiting for some cactus jam or something. I was waiting for. 
Maybe Cindy's going to send me some cactus jam for my birthday tomorrow. That's that's right. Tomorrow is my birthday. 47 years old. 47. What happened? 47 years old. November 2nd. That's it. 47. I don't know. When I started in the ministry, when I started pastoring, I was 30. Forty-seven, eight children, same wife, praise the Lord. Hard to believe. You owed. I know I'm owed, Andrew. So are you. Gentle Giants 33. Yeah, we know. I'm sure. Becca's been Becca's been 28 for like a while. I won't say how long, but for a while, Becca's been 28. So you know. I don't want to alarm you, but Becca's been 28 for a while. That is her testimony of 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 uh her birthday in 28 and some shipping, Dave said. Right? So anyway, hard to believe. Happens quick, doesn't it? I mean, I have a son that's 18 years old. Thinking, how'd that happen? That I don't know. Just did. Anyway, all right. I better get to my job here. Get to work in here. Been talking the whole time. Knock it off. Okay. So anyway, tomorrow I'm gonna eat some homemade pizza. That's what I'm gonna eat. And other fun stuff. Right? So hard to believe, though. I, I keep thinking it does go fast. I'm like 47. I'm still in the 40s, though, so I got that going for me for three more years. All right, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to look at these two verses.
Verse number eight and nine. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Verse nine says, open thy mouth, judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. So you're to open your mouth for those that are dumb, that can't speak, those that those that cannot speak, those that are appointed to destruction, that no one is going to help. Abortion is the murder of a child. It's the murder of a baby. And the Bible says to open your mouth for them. Speak for them. I was I I was I I saw some articles on abortion. And I was going to bed And I was reading in Proverbs chapter 31 from my phone before I went to bed. And I ran across these verses. And these are commands of God. Open thy mouth for the dumb. In the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. You're to open your mouth for them. And warn and and help them. Let me see here. I didn't. I wanted to copy these. Because that's what the command of God is. Who speaks for these people, these babies? Who speaks for them and warns for them? Where are the men of God that are standing up outside of these clinics and standing up outside of their abortion rallies and speaking for the dead? You know some of the most insane things that have happened to us on the street happened due to abortion our stand against the murder of babies. 
Happy birthday, Zell89. We are to stand up and speak. And where are the men that are willing to stand up and to, and, and to let their voice be? I'm telling you, you go back and watch our street preaching. The banner that makes them flip their wig, that makes them lose their minds. is our banners on abortion. Andrew, if you're there, can you send me a picture of our banner? Or or Carl, if you got a copy of one, a picture. I know I put it on the chat somewhere. Send me a picture so I can show through the chat. Send me a picture so I can I can I can uh post it and show them. I'm telling you what. These banners that tell the truth about infanticide. They they cause the most commotion. Women come up and they are vehemently angry at us. They scream, you don't have a uterus. I'm like, you're right. I'm glad you noticed. Right? Who? Open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. That's what God Almighty has commanded. So I want to show you some things. You want to see you want to see some murder. I let me lay my position out very plainly to you. And I should call this why I'm not pro life. Because my position is not the pro life position. Don't you ever confuse me with those hypocrites. Don't confuse me with that group of ecumenical monsters. Don't confuse me with that pro-life movement. I am not part of the pro-life movement. I am not part of it. Our church, Old Paths Baptist Church, is not a pro-life church. The pro-life movement is in the hand of Rome. I'm not prepared to prove that today, but I will some other time. The pro-life movement is a political movement. I am not a politician. I am a preacher. I am a preacher of righteousness. I am a preacher sent from God Almighty. I am not a part of their movement. I am not a fake pro-lifer.
I am not a part of their fake movement. Their movement is a political game, and I'm going to show you it's an absolute game. Their movement is a game. It's it's a game. They're playing patsies. They're playing games. And they're playing games because they're they're led by the Jesuit Maso- the Jesuit Masonic New World Order. And what gets people to the polls? What gets people to vote? What gets people to give them their hard-earned money? I'll show you two things that gets them to give their hard-earned money. To tell a bunch of brazen slut women, a bunch of whores, that they can't murder their babies. Boy, that'll get him to the polls. Or you tell pro-lifers that you're going to do something about abortion as a politician, and that'll get him to the polls. It's a money game, and they're making hand-over-fist money. And that's what motivates them. You know why I'm not pro-life? I should have called this 10 reasons why I'm not pro-life. Number one, I am for the complete abolition of abortion. Complete abolition of abortion. I am for the absolute complete abolition of abortion. Oops, hit the wrong button. There we go. That's actually that that's that's why I could never be part of the pro-life movement because they believe in incrementalism. They preach and teach incrementalism. And I am not part of their phony movement. It's a phony movement. And I'll tell you another thing. The Supreme Court knocking down Roe v. Wade was another scam. And I, it was another scam. Why? Because all the Supreme Court had to state 
in their kicking out of that bill is that a baby has the same right to life as any other human being. And had they said that, case closed. Abortion would be completely illegal in America because it would be murder. But the Supreme Court is full of Catholics and Jesuits. Excuse me. Catholics, Jesuits, apostate Jews. Full of Catholics and apostate Jews. Apostate Catholics and and uh, Kabbalistic Jews. That's what the Supreme Court is full of. The Jesuit order runs the Supreme Court through its organ through its Knight of Malta organizations and through various others. It rules over the Supreme Court. But I'll deal with that in another broadcast. But that's who they are. I could never be in the pro-life movement. Why? They're a bunch of liars. They're a bunch of compromisers. They know full well they're never they're they know full well. They they know full well what they're doing. And that they're stringing people along. And all these people that are pro-life, they're not abolitionists. I'm an abolitionist. I believe in the absolute abolishing of human abortion. Exactly. What I told those women that made them mad when I gave them their science lesson. Let me see if I can find that. I'll find it for you. Let's see. It's this one. Yeah. Andy Daddy headphones on. That's simple. I know I don't have a uterus. Are you saying that's the difference between a man and a woman? Is it uterus? Is that it? Is that the difference? So you know what a woman is now? You identify a woman as someone with a uterus? All right, we got that settled. There's only two genders, male and female. Male and female. Only two genders. That lady just reminded me that I don't have a uterus, of which I thank her for noticing that I don't have a uterus because I'm a man 
and men don't have uteruses. That's correct. And guess what? In the beginning, God made them male and female. There are only two genders, male and female. I'm glad it took the argument of abortion to make you understand that there are only two genders. On mine. You too can understand simple science, like the body that's in your body is not your body. Simple science from Pastor Cooley. I'm helping you out. Simple science lessons. The second one is that this lady happened to say that she yelled at me that men don't have uteruses. That is correct. That is correct. There are only two genders, male and female. Simple science. Male and female. All of you are here today as a result of a male and a female coming together. That's why there is no such thing as the fairy tale of transgenderism. All that means is that someone wants to mutilate your body parts. You don't change your sex. You don't change your gender. You just become mutilated. That's simple science. Simple science. Let's do it again one more time. The body that's in your body is not your body. That's simple science. There are only two genders, male and female. That's it. A transgender is nothing more than a mutilated person. They don't become a different gender. You cannot change your gender. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Listen up. Also, human abortion is murder because the body that's in your body is not your body. That's how it works. That's simple science lessons from Pastor Cooley. Amen. Check this out. CVS Pharmacy accidentally prescribes abortion pills, killing two twin babies. When reading this devastating story of Tamika Thomas, a woman who had fought against infertility and opted for in vitro fertilization to expand her family, it's impossible not to be struck by the sheer horror of it all. After enduring two ectopic pregnancies and having her fallopian tubes removed, she finally saw a glimmer of hope. Doctors inserted two embryos into her womb, sending her home with prescriptions meant to trick her body into producing the hormones needed for a successful pregnancy. To be clear, we are not defending the practice of in vitro fertilization as it is wrought with just as many ills as the abortion industry in many ways. In vitro fertilization more often than not ends with a multiple fertilized embryos being dealt a death sentence. And in the eyes of the living God, this is just as heinous as ending the lives of unborn children through abortion. However, these embryos were already fertilized and instead they were dealt an undeserved death sentence by an industry that thrives on ending the lives of innocent children. Rightfully so, some states have attempted to ban the practice, though unsuccessfully thus far. However, unlike the mother is a victim of abortion narrative pushed by the ERLC and other pro-life advocacy groups, the in vitro industry is truly an industry where the mother is often a victim rather than the perpetrator. 
back to this woman. She went to her local CVS in Las Vegas, expecting that the professionals there would aid her in her journey to motherhood. Instead, she was dealt a fatal blow, not to her, but to the unborn lives she so desperately wanted to nurture. Through a series of unfathomable errors by not just one, but two pharmacists and two technicians, she was given the wrong medication, a drug used for abortions. Her budding pregnancy was terminated on the spot, turning her dream into a nightmare. It's a tragic tale of negligence, one that begs us to ask a larger question. How did we get here? How do we get to the point where a pharmacy can so easily and mistakenly hand out a pill that can terminate life? No questions asked. You see, this bitter reality is that this grave error didn't occur in a vacuum. It's the inevitable product of an abortion industry that has for too long operated under the guise of health care. For decades, this industry has campaigned to normalize abortion to make it as routine as picking up a bottle of aspirin. This crusade has not only diminished the value of unborn life, but has also created a culture that fertile ground for the kind of nightmare Tamika Thomas had endured. Let's be clear, the pharmacists in this story failed at their job. They've been sanctioned for it, and rightfully so. But think about it. In what sane society should a drug that can end human life be so casually dispensed to the point where such a heinous mistake can be made? The abortion pill in question, misoprostol, is now just another item in a pharmacological inventory. A product of our desensitization desensitization to the act of aborting human lives. And yet abortion advocates would have you believe that they're the champions of women's health. Spare me, if the people and well-being of women like Tamika Thomas were really at the forefront, we wouldn't be trivializing a, tri- trivializing a drug that can kill unborn children. When the abortion industry says safe, legal, and rare, what they really mean is Ambiguous, unchallenged, and unexamined. They push for lax regulations and fight against any law that dares to suggest maybe, just maybe, murdering a child is a poor moral decision that you will likely regret for the rest of your life and possibly eternity. No, instead, they'd rather these drugs be as accessible as possible. Public opinion, tragic stories like this one, what the creator of all life says be damned. Now, CVS and its pharmacists are facing sanctions and fines, but don't be fooled. This is not an isolated incident, but a symptom. A symptom of a society that is brought into abortion industry lies, hook, bought into the abortion lies hook, line, and sinker. Okay, now I want you to think about it. Here's another reason, and maybe I'll have to do another broadcast on this. Do you want to know another reason why I'm not pro-life? Because the pro-life movement believes in birth control pills. They don't, they don't believe in the abolition of all birth And uh, I covered that many, many, many years ago. Birth control and the Bible. 
Are we really against abortion? Right? Many pastors today have the same theology. Many pro-life pastors. Many pro-life pastors have the same ideology as Margaret Sanger. They do. They have the same ideology as Margaret Sanger. They believe and practice the same things. They don't preach against birth control. They don't want to get nosy. They don't want to get into people's business. They don't want to make people uncomfortable. I do. Right? I want to make you uncomfortable. I find that that most of us don't get right with God until we're uncomfortable. That's why I'm not pro-life. I'm not pro-life. And I'm very, I have a great, these politicians, and I have a great rating, a great A-plus rating with, with the pro-life movement. Great. What What's your rating with God? Right? What's your rating with God? Because what exactly do you believe? What exactly do you believe? Clearly, it's not what the scriptures say. Don't believe what the Bible says. Birth control in the Bible, are we really against abortion? Here's another one. Here's Ryan and Erica's testimony. Reversing birth control, a couple's testimony against Planned Parenthood. Right? This is Ryan and Erica who have had, I don't know, four or five children, maybe five since five, and there might be a couple in heaven also. I'm not sure about that. Right? See, so this whole movement, this is part of the ideology when you start murdering children, you start murdering your own sons and daughters. That's another reason why I can't be a part of the uh, pro-life movement. Oh. Now, you heard about uh, everybody excited about um, the, uh, the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. There's a lot of good things about that guy, I'm sure. I mean, compared to when you're comparing something to a turd, it's not that hard. I mean, a turd's a turd. So when you look, when you compare something else 
to it when you compare lackluster people that are completely lackluster with no spine to someone who at least attempts to have a spine, it's going to be impressive, right? They're going to be impressive. And Mike Johnson has somewhat of a spine, but he's pro-life. He's not an abolitionist. You want me to prove it to you? Everybody got all excited about this guy. Look what he says. Earlier today, I wrote an article expressing cautious optimism on the election of the new Republican Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Johnson, a Southern Baptist, is being heralded by many conservatives as the most conservative speaker in U.S. history. Upon further research, it appears the caution in that cautious optimism is more than warranted. Here's more of what we found. Mike Johnson served as a trustee for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, the ERLC of the Southern Baptist Convention, for eight years, from 2004 to 2012. Over the years, the ERLC has been instrumental in killing legislation that would end abortion in several states. Current ERLC President Brent Leatherward sung Johnson's praises yesterday in comments to the Baptist press. Leading Congress is never an easy task, but it's especially challenging given how fractured the U.S. House of Representatives is at this moment, Leatherwood said. Mike Johnson, a name familiar to Southern Baptists, has been tapped to lead the chamber, and I want to offer my personal congratulations to him. Brent Leatherwood and the ELRC opposed a strong Louisiana bill that sought to criminalize women for undergoing abortions, contributing to the bill's eventual revamping by lawmakers to remove criminal penalties. The opposition from Leatherwood and the ERLC showcased a rift in the anti-abortion community and played a key role in deterring the progression of legislation that would have set a precedent in anti-abortion laws across the nation. Brent Leatherwood, despite his ostensible stance for unborn rights, has recurrently hindered legislation aimed at curbing abortion. His latest intervention was against a Missouri bill banning abortions post-fetal heartbeat detection, which despite its legislative report support, excuse me, met with opposition due to the National Right to Life Committee. Oh. You mean the National Right to Life Committee signed a letter against criminalizing abortion? You do know it's already a criminal. Uh, 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 it's already criminal to kill. But see, they want to play games. Right? These aren't isolated incidents. Leatherwood and the ER. LC by deeming certain anti-abortion bills as too extreme or legally frail have thwarted these bills arguing that social support rather than legislation should render abortion unnecessary to make matters worse anti-abortion abolitionist leaders have implicated Mike Johnson as being instrumental in killing of the Louisiana bill while Johnson was not serving as a trustee of the ERLC during this time According to Reformed apologist James White, which I don't like James White either. Obviously, he needs a Bible. Johnson was instrumental in killing a Louisiana bill that would have outlawed abortion and penalized mothers for having one. 
appreciate the words of the new speaker, he said, but I have to be honest, he has the key. He was the key opponent of our bill of abolition in Louisiana. He led the charge to kill it when we already had the votes. He said, I, uh, I, um, the dissenter says, I've written on this topic extensively and noted how the mainstream pro-life movement has repeatedly compromised on abortion legislation in favor of pragmatism and keeping the peace with liberals. To add salt on these wounds, it appears that Johnson was fully embraced the culture of the critical race theory and intersectionality. In an interview with PBS, Mike Johnson unveiled a narrative that is emblematic of the erosion of conservative values in favor of victimhood narrative. Mike peddles the worn out, Mike Johnson peddles the worn out narrative of systematic racial disparities by comparing the experiences of his 14 year old sons, attributing supposed hardships faced by his black son, Michael, to solely to his skin color while suggesting his white son, Jack, will have an easier path. He laments his perceived reality, urging for systematic change and transformative solutions, evoking the Constitution to validate his stance, all the while sidestepping the conservative ethos of personal responsibility and meritocracy. Meritocracy. The narrative mirrors the distortions peddled by the woke factions within the church, notably emanating from the platforms like the ERLC. The discourse around white privilege and the intersectionality has been a Trojan horse. So what is it? It's Marxism. It's New Age stuff. Right? Brian Gunter, senior pastor, First Baptist of Livingston, Louisiana, who was also instrumental in bringing forth the proposed abolition legislation in Louisiana, has vowed to present, present a resolution titled Resolution on Equal Protection of the Annual Meeting of the Louisiana Baptist Convention next month. The resolution affirms that an individual human life begins at the moment God combines the reproductive cell of a man with that of a woman and begins the process of forming the body of the child in the womb, biblically called conception and biologically called fertilization. Gunter's resolution would call on Louisiana Baptist Convention to rebuke the ERLC and the other signers of the open letter to state legislators for opposing the anti-abortion legislation. Right, he was going to bring it forth. Yep. So anyway, there you go, right? So is your speaker of the house, uh, he's, well, yeah, he fits the pro-life model. He is pro-life. Because that's what pro-life guys are. He is pro-life. But I'm not pro-life. I'm an abolitionist. I believe in the complete abolition of abortion. I believe in recognizing what the Bible says is human life. And it begins at at conception. And you're not allowed to murder it. I believe that wholeheartedly. Okay. So that's the Speaker of the House. How about your your former president?
filed suit against their state saying their lives were put at risk after they were denied abortion services because their state's restrictive laws put in place after Roe was overturned. So my question for you, Mr. President, is how is it acceptable in America that women's lives are at risk, doctors are being forced to turn away patients in need, or risk breaking the law? Ready? A little bit of a long answer. I hope you have time. I hope you have time. Okay. I'm here for so as long you as have you have. So you have Roe v. Wade. For 52 years, people, including Democrats, wanted it to go back to states so that states could make the right. Roe v. Wade, I, I did something that nobody thought was possible, and Roe v. Wade was terminated, was put back to the states. Now, people, pro-lifers, have the right to negotiate for the first time. They had no rights at all. Because the radical people on this are really the people, the Democrats, that say after five months, six months, seven months, eight months, nine months, and even after birth, you're allowed to terminate the baby. Democrats aren't saying that. I just have to Democrats are not saying that. Does it bother you, though, that women say their lives are being put at risk? Do you feel you bear any responsibility? Because, as you say, you are responsible for having Roe v. Wade over This is an issue that's been going on for a long time, and it's a very polarizing Mm -hmm. issue. Because of what's been done and because of the fact we brought it back to the states, we're going to have people come together on this issue. They're going to determine the time because nobody wants to see five, six, seven, eight, nine months. Nobody wants to see abortions when you have a baby in the womb. I said with Hillary Clinton when we had the debate, I made a statement, rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month. You're allowed to do that, and you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Again, no one and, and is again, arguing listen, for that. That's look, not a part of anyone's uh, look, platform, Mr. President. The Democrat- now, that's a lie. They're both lying. Okay? They're both lying. But she is absolutely lying. Because they are for that. In fact, they want to do it after two years. So she's lying, and he's lying. They're both lying. are able to kill the baby after birth. Let me talk to you. Nobody wants that. That Democrats don't want that. So either. we're going to come together. I want to know what you want. I want to know what you're going to do if you're. We are going to would come together. Would you sign federal legislation there, that would ban abortion at 15 weeks? No, no. Let me just tell you what I do. I'm going to come together with all groups, and we're going to have something that's acceptable. Right now, to my way of thinking, the Democrats are the radicals. Because after four and five and six months, but, but you have to say this, after birth. You have New York State and other places that pass legislation where you're allowed to kill the baby after birth. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think you stand I on I think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let going Mr. to President, have to Mr. happen President, is you're going to have to... This question, listen, please. you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months, you're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy. Because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain... So I want to make people happy. Hey, 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 they're both going to love me. I'm telling you, they're both going to love me. Really? Because none of these jokers love me. They all hate my guts because I tell them the truth, what the Bible says certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk, if you were reelected, would you sign it at 15 weeks? Are you weeks? talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people people are 
starting to think of 15 weeks. That seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I would I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSanct is, is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes I think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. But we'll come up with a... Wait. So I don't like DeSantis either, right? I don't like DeSantis either, okay? Because it should be zero weeks. DeSantis, DeSanctimonious, hey, DeSanctimonious, he said five weeks. How about no weeks? How about you're not allowed to murder your baby? I just can't believe all these Baptist pastors that voted for this yahoo. Number, but at the same time, Democrats won't be able to go out in six months, seven months, eight months and allow an abortion. Mr. President, when you talk about negotiating, I think a lot of people think to themselves, this is an issue that they care about deeply in their hearts. They know where they stand and they want to know where you stand. As you know, some anti-abortion groups are really looking for some clarity from you. So let me just ask you to put a fine point on this. Should the federal government impose any abortion restrictions or should it be completely left up to the states? No, I don't think you should have, I don't think you should be allowed to have abortions well into a pregnancy. But what about the question I just asked We're going to agree, no, we're going to agree to a number of weeks or months or however you want to define it. And both sides are going to come together and both sides, both sides, and this is a big statement, both sides will come together, and for the first time in 52 years, you'll have an issue that we can put behind us. At the federal level? Uh, it could be state or it could be federal. I don't frankly care. So you're not committed to a ban at the I federal level? I will say level. this. Everybody, uh, including the great legal scholars, love the idea of Roe v. Wade terminated so it be brought back to the states. It okay? sounds like that's what you think, too, that well, it should I, remain I would, a state I issue. I would say this. From a pure standpoint, from a legal standpoint, I think it's probably better, but I can live with it either way. It's much more important. The number of weeks is much more important. But something will happen with the number of weeks, the amount of time, after which you can't do it. And you know what? The, the, most, uh, the most powerful people that are anti-abortion are okay with that now. And you know what? They weren't okay with that even a year ago. Your former Vice President, Mike Pence, believes that a fetus should have constitutional rights. Do you believe that, Mr. President? Well, Mike Pence said something about 15 weeks, too, which was a big change for Mike Pence because Mike Pence had no exceptions. I have exceptions, by the way. I think I have no exceptions, by the way, because I'm not a politician. I'm not negotiating somebody's life. I'm not negotiating that baby's life. You sicko. And yes, there should be absolute rights for a baby in the womb. People should have exceptions. I think if it's rape or incest or the life of the mother, I think you have to have exceptions. Does a fetus have constitutional rights? And and a lot of people, when they don't have exceptions. Now, I will tell you that I think most people, most Republicans, are willing. Uh, You go life of the mother, Mm -hmm. rape, incest. I think most of them are are there. But should have. Listen, he just, I called this, I can't remember how long ago. 
I think it was two years ago. Maybe it was way back when. I always said that Trump was not. Like, he was a Democrat anyway. I mean, he's not. That he wasn't really pro-life. Because he funded Planned Parenthood. Remember that? I'm old enough to remember. See if I can find it. Wow, I called that back four years ago that Trump wanted his own news network and he got it with his uh with his truth social. And that's crazy. Oh, okay. Well, here's l- let me just show you this real quick and we'll get back to that video. But uh who remembers Trump by uh that's Trump 2.0. Trumped Kavanaugh sides with Planned Parenthood. Uh, there you go. Remember that? Uh, four years ago. There it is. Uh, I I was looking for the one that I had, but hey, there it is. Whoa! Look at that ugly picture of me. Trump psyop continues. Planned Parenthood fully funded five years ago. Huh? You got trumped. I said that back in the day. Right? Remember this one? Words matter. The judge's job is to follow the words that are in the law, not replace them with those that aren't. There is a a statement which you made in that book, which has been often quoted, and I want to make sure that I quote it accurately here today. It relates to the taking of life. And I quote, the intentional taking of human life by private persons is always wrong. That was a statement that you included in your book, correct? I believe so. I believe so, too. How could you square that statement with legal abortion? Senator, as the book explains, um, the Supreme Court of the United States has held in Roe versus Wade that um, a fetus is not a person for purposes of the 14th Amendment. And the book explains that. Do you accept that? That's the law of the land. I accept the law of the land, Senator, yes. Thank you for that clarification. The unborn uh, person uh, doesn't have constitutional rights. 
a fetus is not a person for purposes of the 14th Amendment. Pastor Jason Cooley here with OPBC Online. This is going to be a special type of a report. (laughs) I'll let it go. You don't have to watch it. I won't make you labor through that. But anyway, it is good. It was a great video that Andrew put together, by the way. And uh, and, uh, so anyway, just remember that I I talked about it back then before it was cool. And uh, six years ago, I warned about Trump. And now what's happening? I warned that Trump, by the way, Trump funded Planned Parenthood through the first two or three years of his, of his presidency, first two years at least. The That's a big have statement. constitutional rights, Mr. President? Well, I don't, know, I don't know what he's saying because before he wanted, you know, you couldn't have a abortion. But what are you saying? Now all of what a do sudden, you excuse think? me, now all of a sudden he's saying 15 weeks. I said, wow, where did that come from? That's a radical change. Look, something is going to happen that's going to be Good for everybody. And that's what I'm, I'm almost like a mediator. Good for everybody except the babies that are murdered, you loser. In this case, they wanted Roe v. Wade terminated because it was inappropriate. We got it done. Something is going to happen. It's going to be a number of weeks. Something's going to happen where the both sides are going to be able to come together. And then we'll be able to go into other things like the economy, our military. Are you saying a federal ban with exceptions? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I, what I say is very simple because you can't put words in my mouth like that. I because just you've been hearing understand. me talk about this issue yeah. and I think talk about it uh, very productively. It could be a state ban. It could be okay. a federal ban. But Democrats want that too. Democrats don't want to see abortion in the seventh month. Okay, I speak to a lot of Democrats. They want a number. There is a number. And there's a number that's going to be agreed to. And Republicans should go out and say the following. Because I think the Republicans speak very inarticulately. Okay, so here's where he's going to give them the art of the deal. Here's the art of the deal. Right here. About this subject. I watched some of them without the exceptions, et cetera, et cetera. I said, other than certain parts of the country, you can't, you're not going to win on this issue. But you will win. On this issue, when you come up with the right number of weeks, because Democrats don't want to be radical on the issue. Most of them, some do. They don't want to be radical on the issue. They don't want to kill a baby in the seventh month or the ninth month or after birth. And they're allowed to do that. And you can't do that. There you go. Welcome back. As we've been reporting. There you go. Right? The world we live in. So the guy that is gonna that is gonna run the Republican Party that is in charge of the Republican Party right now. By the way, I would dare to say the two guys. They are pro-lifers, but they are not abolitionists. They are pro-lifers. They are true pro-lifers. Because that is the pro-life position. That is the pro-life position. 
I am not a pro-lifer. I believe in the complete abolition of human abortion. The complete abolishing of human abortion. They don't. Neither does the Speaker of the House, and neither do most in Congress. Justin Timberlake, now an outspoken advocate for right to choose after pressuring Britney Spears into an abortion. In her memoir, The Woman and Me, Spears revealed that Timberlake put pressure on her to have an abortion because he didn't want to be a father. A decision that Spears described as one of the most agonizing things I've ever experienced in my life. Now Timberlake is coming under intense criticism and scrutiny from his fans on Twitter for his role in Spears' abortion and his subsequent campaigning in support of abortion. According to MTV at a rally for then-President Jehovah Barack Obama, Timberlake spoke in favor of abortion with his future wife, Jessica Beale. Nobody should be able to say what you could do with your body, Beale said. I give Jess the right to choose where we go to eat all the time. The funny thing is what the woman chooses is usually right, Timberlake added. What an idiot. After Roe, that means you're a beta. Right? That we're equal. Are you the head? I am a nurse. A nurse? Yes. Beta! Rumar, are you the head of your wife? I like to think that we're equal. Are you the head? Beta! I am. I am a. No, no, no. I'm an alpha. Uh uh. Not if you think you and your wife are equal. Beta! Because I tell you why. Beta! Beta! That's right. He's a beta. Okay. So he retweeted a message his wife had posted speaking out against the decision. I am engaged. What happened today is not only a disgusting step backward for women. After Roe v. Wade was overturned last year, Timberlake published a series of tweets opposing the change that allowed states to make their own abortion laws. He retweeted a message with his wife, which his wife had posted speaking out against the decision. I am a, I am a, I am engaged. What happened today is not only a disgusting step backward for women under undermining our ability to make decisions for our own bodies, but it's also dangerous. You didn't ban abortion. You banned access to safe abortion. He also shared similar tweets from abortion giant Planned Parenthood. Timberlake's self-serving support for abortion has since been blasted on social media. One fan wrote, shaming a woman in public for over a decade when she had an aborted child for you. How disgusting. Another wrote in front of the cameras, you were the best couple, but behind the scenes you used her to get ahead, and after you got ahead, you left her. His 2002 hit, Cry Me a River, which is believed to be about his breakup with Spears, has also come under renewed criticism in light of the abortion revelation. That woman aborted his baby because he wasn't ready, and then he made the world chastise her with that Cry Me a River video. The absolute gall to release Cry Me a River, added another. 
Kimberly has yet to comment on the matter. Well, they're all a bunch of murders. He played around with that woman's head and 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 she didn't want an abortion and he made her get one. Coerced her into getting one, I should say. Look at this. Uh, Pro-life group opposes bill that would criminalize abortion in Missouri. Right? What are they? They're pro-life. They're not for the abolition of abortion. Arizona Pastor Jeff Durbin spoke in support of the bill. Samuel Lee, who is the head of the Campaign Life Missouri Roman Catholic Deacon and pro-life ethicist, testifies in opposition to the bill because it would give the babies in the womb the same legal rights and protections as the babies outside the womb, including jail time for those that murder them. Lee cites the infamous letter signed by 70 pro-life groups. See, the Roman Catholics, the papacy, they're running the pro-life movement. Do you see that? And I don't, I'm no fan of Jeff Durbin either. But they're running the pro-life movement. This is pro-life. Those who would like to testify in opposition, please come forward. Mr. Lee, do you know, is there going to be two people who are testifying in opposition, or are you wanting to? I, I, I don't know, but I'm going to be very brief, Madam Chair. Uh, okay, Chairwoman, uh, members of the committee, Samuel Lee uh, with Campaign Life Missouri to testify in, in opposition to Senate Bill 356. I've written testimony here, which I've submitted uh, and emailed to you. Uh, just a couple points. Uh, last year, about this time, uh, many, many national and state groups uh, issued a statement uh, saying that they are opposed. I'm going to read that. They're opposed to any measure seeking to criminalize or punish women because it is not pro-life, and we stand firmly opposed to such efforts. And uh, although we were not given an opportunity to join in that statement, we certainly join in the sentiments and the position of those of those groups, uh, which included Missouri Rights Life, for example, uh, here in Missouri. I would also point out uh, in my written testimony that since 1825, when Missouri's first law prohibiting abortion uh, was passed, Missouri has never, ever criminalized a woman for having an abortion, and I think that policy should stay the same. Okay, see, so here's here's the head of the pro-life, Samuel Samuel H. Lee, head of Campaign Life Missouri, testifying to oppose a bill that would make abortion illegal in the state of Missouri. You start to see the scam? Make them put their money where their mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. Sign your, Jan, sign your John Hancock to a bill that, that abolishes human abortion. I'll say it this way. Pooper, get off the pot. Pooper, get off the pot. Quit playing games with people's money, making careers out of it, making money off of it. Pooper, get off the pot. But they won't because they make money on it. It's about money, notoriety, power, politics.
You outlaw it and you criminalize doctors from doing it, period. Then it's done. They're playing games. All these bills are games. Because that's what they do. It's all about money. It's all about games. It's all that's why I'm not pro-life. I'm for the complete abolition of abortion. I'm not pro-life. The pro-life movement is a Jesuit Catholic movement. It's a Jesuit Masonic movement is all it is. That both sides play. Playing games with killing your own sons and daughters. All it is. It's a big game. They don't care about those babies. They don't care about those kids. It's all a game. Look at this. Over in England, look at this. A high court in the UK has ruled that an 11-year-old girl who became pregnant after being raped must have an abortion, contrary to the wishes of the girl's family. A girl was kidnapped in Germantown. Fox 5's Melanie Albuquerque is live in Germantown this morning with what we know. Mel? Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, super scary, especially for uh, folks in this neighborhood. You can see we're on uh, Waring Station Road, and, and there's, you know, a lot of houses here. I'm not sure if that, that's the same video. It might not be. But anyway, according to the Telegraph, the girl whose identity remains unpublished became pregnant after being sexually assaulted by a 14-year-old boy she met online when she was 10. Following news of the pregnancy, the high court judge, Emma R. Arbor thought ruled that aborting the baby in the womb is in the girl's best interest and that the placenta should be tested for DNA for the upcoming criminal investigation. The girl was 15 weeks pregnant. Look, they're using that number 15. See? The girl was 15 weeks pregnant, said that the baby made her feel special and that she was happy to be pregnant. The girl's mom initially said she supported her daughter's desire to carry the baby to term. However, after being persuaded that the daughter's chances of dying during childbirth were increased, the parents later consented to the abortion. If the parents did not agree, their child would have been removed from their custody by law enforcement and forced to have one. So, never mind the problem that what's your daughter meeting strange boys online for anyway and talking to boys online and having relationships with boys online why where are you why aren't you parenting why does she have access online unsupervised access later how in the world did she meet with this man this boy 
How did your daughter get to a point with sleeping with this boy? I don't know if the boy raped her. Maybe he didn't rape her. We don't know any of that. If the parents did not agree, their child would have been removed from their custody by law enforcement and forced to have one. During the court case, the judge heard During the court case, the judge heard from healthcare The judge heard from the healthcare professionals who insisted the girls lacked competence and whose ideas about the fetus were very idealistic and unrealistic. Judge Arbutnot agreed ruling the girls' views involved naive magical thinking and that she lacks the intellectual development and capacity to process the complexity of the decisions that had to be made. And her emotional investment in one outcome was clearly clouding her judgment. Following the ruling, the girl ultimately accepted the need to terminate her baby, but wanted the adults to make the decision. The baby is set to be murdered earlier this week. While the rape of a child is a heinous crime, so is murdering a baby. Rather than acquiescence to the judge, the parenting should have been taken their daughter and fled the country to give birth in a safe location surrounded by medical care. Okay. Well, Johnny is on here, and Johnny says, I want to be saved. Well, the Bible is very clear. How a man is saved, or a woman for that matter, any man. It is repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. It is acknowledging that we are sinners and that we are guilty before God and that we are dead in trespasses and sins. And that we cannot save ourselves. There are no good works that we can do. All of our good works before we are saved are filthy rags before God. The Bible says very plainly, if you can see on the screen here, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The gospel is very plain that we are saved by grace through faith. That means that we must believe, the Bible says very plainly, we must believe the gospel. It says, He that hath the Son. In 1 John 5, 12, it says, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 
Life is by Jesus Christ alone. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. A man is saved by grace through faith. So if you acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you are guilty before God and that you are dead in trespasses and sins and that you, the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible also tells us in the book of Romans that for the wages of sin is death. For our sin, we deserve to die. And we will die. We'll die in this life and we will die, if without Christ, we will die in eternity in the lake of fire. Without Christ. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ, the Bible says in John chapter 14. Verse number 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said the only way to the Father is by him. The only way to receive eternal life is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is through grace alone, by faith alone, that you can be saved. But every man must acknowledge that he is a sinner. Not only that he sins, but that he is a sinner and that he is guilty. He is guilty of breaking God's righteous law. If you admit that you are guilty of breaking God's righteous law, the Bible says in, in Romans, I believe it's chapter 5, And verse number eight, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for sinners. Romans 3.19 says, says uh, now we know that what's the, what things over the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That all the world is guilty before God. So that law is preached. It shows us our sin. It shows us that we have failed God, that there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 10 tells us very plainly that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you confess that you are a sinner and that you are guilty 
And if you openly admit that to the Lord, and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, With your heart you believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That means you must believe that you're a sinner, that you are guilty, and that Jesus died for your sins, according to the Scriptures. Because the Gospel is very plain. It's also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the Gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory that which I preached, that what, memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then I have to ask you that question. Johnny, do you believe that you're a sinner? Do you believe that for your sin you deserve to go to hell? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day? If you do and you put your faith and trust in Christ, and repent and admit and confess to God that you are guilty. You are dead in sins. You believe that you are a sinner. You believe that Jesus Christ is able to save your soul. You believe that, he, that his death, his burial, and his resurrection is able to save your soul. The Bible says, It says in Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. If you believe that Jesus Christ is able to do this, you put your faith and trust in him, give your sins, and to save your soul, then the Bible says that you're to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. It says, for whosoever will, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That shall is a guarantee that he will. So the Bible says that salvation is repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That there is no good thing in my flesh. I am a sinner. I am guilty. And I call upon the name of the Lord to save me, to change me, and to make me a new creature. All of my faith and trust is in the risen Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If you confess that to the Lord, if you confess that to Jesus Christ, upon the authority of the gospel, upon the authority of the scripture, he will save your soul. But you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the Philippian jailer. That what must he was trembling and he knew he was a sinner and he knew he was guilty and his sin was ever before him and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know you're a sinner and you're guilty. You must believe on Jesus Christ to save your soul. You must believe that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose again from the dead for your sins that you were guilty, that that he died, Christ died for your sins, unjust. Bible calls us the unjust. Right here, 1 Peter. Let's see. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, made alive by the Spirit. You can be made alive. The Bible says you're dead without Christ. Repent if you turn to Christ, if you believe the gospel, you call upon the name of the Lord to forgive your sins and to save your soul. Believe on him. He will save you. He will give you a home in heaven. He will change your life and he will make you a new creature. He'll put his spirit inside of you. The Bible says once you're saved and you hath he quickened, Ephesians chapter 2, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He'll give you life. He'll put his spirit inside of you. He'll change you and make you a new creature. But that choice is yours. You have to come to that by simple faith in Christ alone. You have to see your lost condition. Know that you're a sinner. Know that you're guilty. You have to believe on Christ to the saving of your soul. Call upon the name of the Lord. See yourself. How God sees you. And agree with God. When we confess the Lord with our mouth, we are agreeing with God. We are saying that, God, I agree with you. You are Lord, and I am wrong. I am a sinner. I am guilty before God. I am dead, trespasses and sins. I believe you died for me. You were buried, and you rose again from the dead for my sins. Save my soul. And that's the gospel we preach. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the simple gospel we preach. That's really all there is to it in the scriptures. Owning our guilt before God. Being convicted of our sins. Being showed by the Holy Spirit that we are a sinner. God's word and through God's word and through the guidance of another to show us. We are wrong and dead. Then the word of God shows us that we're guilty. The only way we can be saved is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
put our faith and trust in him. Believe him. Believe on him to the saving of our souls. That's the gospel. That's the simple gospel that we preach. And it's a glorious gospel that saves sinners. 21 years ago, he saved me. 21 years ago, he changed my life. Going on 22 years here in March. But 21 and a half years ago, showed me my lost condition. Showed me I was guilty before God. Dead in sins. Needing the Savior. That's what he'll do for you. By his grace, he'll do that for you. All right, everybody. I'm going to play a song here, then I got to get out of here. Once my soul was astray from that heavenly and was wretched and vile as could be, but my Savior in love gave me peace from above when He down his hand for me when my Savior reached down for me he had to reach way down for me I was lost and undone without God or his wonderful son when he reached down his hand for me, I was near to despair when he came to me there, and he showed me that I could be Without God or His presence.
precious son When he reached He had to reach Oh yes he Amen. Amen. That was from Chris Stanzel's album. It's on one of my albums. Uh, from Chris Stanzel, he reached down, way down for. That is, it's it's on a, the it's not in vain album. Him. All right, everybody. Well, God bless you, and you pray for Johnny. You pray that his heart saved by the grace of God, saving not Christ, and be born again the Spirit of God and live for Christ as life. Amen. It's here on this earth and go be with the Lord someday. Amen. Pray for him. Uh, also pray for our ministry. Pray the Lord continue to bless us and, and guide us through. Townhouses, uh, sidewalks, and a park. And apparently it's 3.15 in the afternoon. Yeah, I didn't get through all of my stuff. Maybe we'll pick it up again Friday. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but we'll out uh, anyway you pray about all those things and uh if you'd like to give to our ministry you may do so uh you can go to our our web page oldpathsbaptistchurch.org oldpathsbaptistchurch.org go there and um scroll down to paypal venmo or apple pay and you can give through there um, or click the donate button at the top, and it'll take you right to PayPal. Uh, or you can send it through your own PayPal link to salvationpreacher at gmail.com. Uh, or if you'd like to, you could mail us something. At the bottom of the page, we have uh, our address, 1030 South Highway 3, Northfield, Minnesota, 55057. Right? So that will be uh, on there for you. And uh, you can do it, everyone. Or you can you can just pray for us and pray the Lord touches somebody else's heart. Amen. All right. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. We'll we'll keep on going, and you pray for one another. Right. We'll see you and talk to you real soon, as the Lord uh, allows.